So you can test ideas. Okay, this is interesting. The people are interested in that type of application, that type of data versus, well, I tried it and it doesn't work. So why to spend more time on Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. My guest on the show today is Jakob Jivish. Jakob is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Orbify and he might just be able to help you turn that geoprocessing routine that you have lying on your C drive into a business. Hi Jakob, welcome to the podcast. So I think you've said in a previous conversation that you've listened to a few of these podcast episodes before, and you'll know that this is for geospatial people, but you're a little different. You don't, you don't come from a geospatial background, and yet you're building a geospatial product, something called Orbify, and, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. I think before we get there, would you mind just introducing yourself to the audience, please? Perhaps explain how you got involved in, in geospatial, and, and then we'll move on to talk about what you're building. First of all, hello, Daniel. Thank you very much for, for having me here. It's uh, a big pleasure and honor, to be honest, because uh, your podcast was the first geospatial podcast that I listened to. And uh, you are among the people that, that inspired me to look more deeply into this space. So yeah, I'm, I'm relatively new to Earth Observation Geospatial. This idea appeared in my mind uh, around, I don't know, 18 months ago, maybe, maybe closer to, to a year, to be honest. So before this, I started as a software engineer, computer science. Uh, this is uh, actually what I started doing as a kid when I was 13 years old. I started coding and uh, I really enjoyed solving problems with technology. So this is why I started coding. My problem at that point in time was that I didn't have uh, interesting games. I wanted to code a game myself. And uh, this is uh, this is what brought me into, into coding. And this... Uh, computer thing was really entertaining for me. It was in times before the internet, right? So there was no YouTube, there were uh, there was uh, no Netflix to, to keep me entertained. So I had to entertain myself by, by coding. And as a consequence, I started studying computer science and started working as a software engineer. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, solving problems with technology. But uh, then I realized that in order to solve bigger problems, you need a team, right? You cannot uh, build eBay, you cannot not uh, build Amazon if you are a solo coder. And this is probably what pushed me towards uh, leadership uh, role. But still, it was uh, outside of geospatial world. It was mostly in travel technology. I was working for Sabre Holdings, a big American corporation that uh, powers all air and hotel reservations uh, all around the world. Then a couple of uh, startups uh, and uh, everything was, was uh, revolving around making it easier for people to, to travel. Because uh, I believe that travel is super important. I believe that uh, being able to visit different places, uh, meeting different people, learning different cultures is something that ultimately makes us uh, better humans, right? So it makes us more creative. So making it easier for, for, for people to travel is something that uh, was important to, to me personally. That was the beginning of my career. Until late uh, 2020, I started thinking that uh, with this COVID thing, travel will not be growing very quickly over the next uh, couple of years, probably. And uh, it's time to start thinking about something else, something that uh, can impact lives of, of people equally to, to travel, but cannot be uh, slowed down by, by a pandemic. By observing what's happening in the world, uh, I got inspired by what uh, SpaceX, uh, by what Blue Origin, by what uh, even uh, Virgin Orbit are doing. And I was thinking, wow, space is something uh, that also uh, 
can change how we live. Maybe it has even bigger impact than travel because uh, space uh, has amazing potential. It's, it has tremendous potential. And uh, then I started diving into different areas of space and realized that thanks to all these amazing developments that are uh, taking place right now by uh, decreasing costs of launching payload to, to the orbit, by decreasing costs of building satellites, Earth observation is becoming a super interesting uh, space, super interesting area to change uh, how we live, how we well exist on this planet. and. Combined with uh, all uh, this focus on climate change or, or on combating the consequences of, of uh, what uh, we humans do on the planet, I think that Earth observation has a huge role to play here. I think that this is also, well, referring to your podcast, I think this is also what uh, Joe Morrison mentioned, right? That uh, we are now living in this uh, moment where climate change becomes a really big thing and uh, if we all unite our forces, uh, then we still can prevent it from happening or, or maybe slow down, decrease uh, the consequences. But we need to act now. There is uh, no time to wait. And Peter Drucker, this uh, philosopher, executive management theorist uh, from 20th century, said that you cannot manage what you cannot measure. With Earth observation, we can measure a lot of things. We can measure impact of many things happening on the planet, deforestation, producing energy with solar panels, etc., etc. So this is something that actually can help us fight with, with the climate change. So, well, looks like space is, uh, and Earth observation are even more important uh, than, than making travel happen. So this is what convinced me to do this transition from travel uh, tech to, to Earth observation and geospatial and remote sensing. There was a lot to think about there. So you are not alone with, with this realization, right? So I think a lot of other people have looked at this industry and gone, wow, there is a lot of potential here. It's getting cheaper to launch satellites into space. More and more data is coming down and we can see the impact that we potentially could have. And of course, you nailed it when you said you cannot manage what you do not measure. And I think, again, this insight, a lot of people have had that. But I mean, look at the companies that are working in the space. Look at the energy that's being pumped into this. Where did you see the opportunity. So oftentimes when we think about entering a new space or moving into a new domain and creating a, a business there, we're looking for some sort of arbitrage, you know, some sort of buy low, sell high kind of thing. What is the arbitrage? What is the opportunity that, that you saw and what are you doing about it? Mm -hmm. There are a couple of things or events from, from the past that I could refer to when trying to explain what Orbify is about. And first analogy goes back a hundred years uh, into the past, uh, into 1920s, where Henry Ford built his first automobile factory. Before Henry Ford built a factory, yes, uh, cars, automobiles did exist. Uh, it was possible to, to, to get a car, but it was super expensive and super complicated. So only a handful of people had access to that type of vehicles. And uh, what Henry Ford changed is that cars out of a sudden uh, became a commodity, right? They, uh, they became something that uh, people can use. And this is the change that uh, we want to make happen. This is the change that we want to see in the world, that Earth observation is uh, accessible not only to people with PhD in geophysics, people that spend their lifetimes uh, trying to learn uh, all about Earth observation. We would like to see Earth observation accessible to farmers that want to maximize their crops. We want to see Earth observation accessible to foresters that want to protect their forests. 
We want to see Earth observation accessible to firefighters that uh, want to know how to put down uh, forest fires, for example. We want to see Earth observation accessible to, to, to fishermen that uh, want to protect fisheries. So the end users, decision makers, people that are close to certain things that are happening should be able to easily use Earth observation. Right now, there has been a lot of uh, amazing things that, that happened. Google Earth Engine, to mention just one thing, right? How powerful this tool is, is, is totally amazing to me. At the same time, well, it's not something that uh, I could uh, recommend to someone that doesn't have that much technical experience. Then the other analogy that uh, I would like to make here is why I think that making it accessible to everyone can uh, make the change. So this goes back actually uh, not to 1920s, this goes back to 1990s and travel industry. So, uh, well, some, something that uh, I'm quite familiar with. So if you remember, in the 1990s, if you wanted to fly anywhere, you had to go to a travel agent and say, hello, good morning, my name is Jakub or my name is Daniel, and uh, I would like to fly from here to there. What are the options? And then the person would sit down by a computer, check uh, what are the options, and would tell you, well, if you want to fly to Australia, it will cost you $2,000. And then you go, wow, this is so expensive, but well, this is the only option. So, And I really need to go to Australia, or I really want to go to Australia. So I will pay $2,000, but I will be saving like two years for this. And this was the situation in the 1990s. Then internet appeared. Uh, and then in the internet appeared websites like Hotwire and Expedia, probably the first uh, online travel agencies that uh, made it easy for people to browse, to plan their air travel by themselves. This made it possible that uh, more low-cost airlines appeared. Uh, Ryanair, EasyJet, uh, we are familiar with this in Europe, but uh, all over the world there are lots of others low-cost airlines. Making it accessible for people to book trips enabled low-cost airlines that didn't want to have those deals with travel agencies, GDSs, whatever. They, they wanted to focus on having, I don't know, a couple of planes, a couple of routes and uh, making it profitable. And uh, by making this low-cost travel industry booming, we went to a situation that uh, if you want to fly from New Zealand to Australia or if you want to fly from Copenhagen to New York, it will cost you, well, maybe a couple hundred bucks, but for sure not more than a thousand. And uh, this allows us to travel. Then when we as humans uh, and ordinary people have access to kayaks, sky scanner, those uh, planning pages. Uh, you can easily browse fares, decide, okay, I can fly a day later, a day earlier. I will change my itinerary. Maybe I won't fly uh, to New York. I will fly to Washington because it's close, yada, yada, right? So you are in control of your itinerary. You're in control of your destiny and you can plan a trip that works best for you. This is totally different from what we were seeing in, in, in the 90s. And uh, we are hoping that by making it easy for foresters, farmers, uh, fishers, firefighters to control what they are seeing, what they are analyzing with Earth observation data, we will make it easier for them to make better choices, much better than in a, in a current situation when they need to go to an Earth observation scientist and ask them, hey, can you prepare a report like this for me? Can you report like that for me? So this would be the second analogy. And the third analogy, actually, this is 21st century already. This is 2007 when Steve Jobs demos uh, iPhone. This is something that our co-founder Michal actually mentioned to me a couple of days ago, that he sees this analogy. So in 2007, phone was there, right? Phone was uh, no, not a big innovation. There was iPod, so playing music on a 
portable device uh, was perfectly uh, possible as well. And there were other concepts that existed. But uh, what was amazing about Steve Jobs and iPhone is that it combined all of those inventions in a nice, sleek, easy-to-use interface and offered it to the masses. This is what started also uh, iPhone uh, revolution. And this is, uh, again, the type of revolution we would like to see. If I had to look for some, some common threads in those stories, and the great stories, I would point out things like connectivity. So connecting things via the internet. And the internet is acting as the, the middleman, the man in the middle for these different services. You talked about travel, for example. So the travel agent essentially went away and was replaced by a website. That was only possible because different travel providers made their services accessible via the internet. And I'd also point out that a lot of these stories have something to do with reducing barriers to entry, making things simple and, and user-friendly. During the conversation, you, you also mentioned a whole bunch of, of great use cases for Earth observation. And again, look, I, I'm not getting at you at all. And the reason I'm sort of pushing you a little bit here is because I, I know what's to come. I've talked to you before. So I'm not getting at you, but you mentioned all the things that all of us can see. What is it that you are doing about it? There's something special about Orbify. Maybe you could describe to us what it is. How is it different from what we have today? given that a lot of us can, can see all of these things that, that you can see. I think now it's the time to, to explain uh, what we are up to. So Orbify is a web platform that makes it easy for innovators, entrepreneurs, technical folks to build solutions, applications for their clients. Orbify is not something that uh, we envision will be used by, by a fisher or, or farmer. We think that with Orbify, a person who understands problems that farmers uh, or, or fishers are facing can build an application for them. So Orbify makes it easy to access data. This is uh, important. Orbify makes it easy to turn the data into information. And Orbify makes it easy to present, to show the data to the user. And Orbify makes it easy to build a whole application out of, out of this. So with Orbify, Within a few clicks, uh, you can generate uh, an app that, for example, checks uh, soil moisture uh, for a given area. You can uh, build an app uh, that checks, that presents, uh, that shows uh, land cover for a given area, etc., etc. You can combine those visualizations. You can combine different workflows within one application to have something as comprehensive as an application for a farmer that allows them to monitor how maize is growing in their field and when it will be ready to be cropped and whether some sort of irrigation or, or maybe some fertilizers are needed. So Orbify makes it easy to build that type of applications. And then if you look at in Google Earth Engine, if you are a data analyst, if you are an Earth observation scientist, you can generate all of this, right? You can easily generate a report on soil moisture, on organic matter content, on this or that. But what you cannot easily do is you cannot easily build an application that a farmer can use. And this is, this is where we see the problem, that we need to build applications that are accessible to ordinary people. Okay, so I, I think it would be a great time to, to walk people through the process. So I know this is a, a web-based platform. Can you tell me how I'd go about building one of these apps? So when I think about an app, I think we need some data, we need some functionality, we need some output, and maybe some packaging around it. Could, could you walk me through, I want to build an app, I want to build an app to find fishing vessels. 
How would I do that? You log into Orbify, you click uh, create new application button, then uh, you select the problem that you want to solve. And this is also the difference uh, we are making here. We are trying to take the user a little bit by the hand and asking them, hey, what problem you are solving? Oh, you want to solve problem of finding vessels. So great, here is what, what we can do for you. Maybe you can simply use Sentinel-1 data because it's free. Sentinel-1 is SAR, so it goes through darkness, goes through cloud. So let's start from, from Sentinel-1, right? And then if you are using this, you can, we can already propose uh, to you a snap graph or a workflow that uh, will process uh, the images and detect vessels. And then based on this, we can already propose some Python code that will visualize uh, the detections uh, in the website. And we can already propose a whole UI for these applications where your users simply uh, log in and select area of interest and, and uh, dates and uh, see what vessels uh, are present uh, in this area. So all of this is happening with, within three clicks, right? Because this is a relatively simple uh, workflow. Then if you want to add AIS data to it, yes, uh, you can modify the code, you can modify data sources, and you can, add, you can add additional complexity to your application because as an app builder, you are in full control of, of the source code that is being prepared for you. Can I just stop you there for a second? So it sounds like you, you, you build a sort of template app based on what it is that I'm trying to do. You suggest data sources, you suggest functionality, and, and then I have a template that I can go in and edit. So this sounds a lot like in what we've seen before in, in GIS land, where we have a model builder kind of approach, a drag and drop template that you can you know, click a button and see the code. Is that what we're talking about? Pretty much so. At the same time, you can also start from scratch, right? So you don't need to use any of the pre-built workflows, pre-built templates. You can start from zero and just use our cloud execution environment, right? Because this is also another important thing. When I'm trying to build an app that is processing Earth observation data, uh, I may need to use a cloud because on my laptop it will take ages. And uh, if I simply allocate, uh, I don't know, one EC2 on the cloud, uh, it may not be enough if there is a spike in traffic. So we are dynamically allocating additional resources as we need it. We are releasing resources when they are not needed to bring the usage costs uh, down, right? So we're managing cloud infrastructure for the sake of Earth observation computations. Okay, so I have a couple of questions here. You mentioned something called Snap. Could you explain that to us, what that is? And also, I think the kinds of people that want to build the kinds of apps that you're talking about, they're going to be used to working in a specific programming language. Can you explain what Snap is and what programming language that people can create apps in on your platform? So Snap, uh, Snap Toolkit uh, is software uh, created by European Space Agency and their well, contractors to process uh, data coming from Sentinel missions, uh, but it can be used for processing all sorts of imagery coming from, from satellites. So with Snap Workflow, uh, you can uh, do all sorts of transformations uh, of imagery uh, like land sea mask uh, calibration, thresholding, co-registration, all of those operations that uh, you want to uh, make in order to take interesting, relevant data out of the image, right? And then once uh, this uh, process is finished, uh, you get uh, an image uh, that consists only the information you are uh, interested in. And then, yeah, then there is the part uh, of turning this raster uh, data into 
something more specific, some maybe vector data, and this is where we are using Python. So Orbify for now supports uh, Python. We are thinking about adding additional languages, but uh, this probably uh, will happen next year, no time uh, really, really soon. We decided to use Python because it's already fairly common language among uh, people who, who are doing data science, who are into Earth observation. So it sounds like you have um, some predefined functionality that you can glue together with, with Python. It, at least that, that's the way I understand this. If I am a Earth observation specialist and I'm used to working with Python, I'm used to working with this kind of data, and I've created my own magic functions classes somewhere else, can I import them in? Do I have to recreate them from the start? How, how would that work? How would I get my magic code into your system? In majority of cases, you should be able to simply import them into, into our system. So we support libraries like Pandas, like all the other uh, standard Python libraries for data science, for geospatial data processing. So hopefully you will not need to rewrite anything. You know, I'm, I'm saying hopefully because uh, I'm still an engineer, right? So I know that corner cases always exist. So saying never probably is uh, really difficult. But in majority of cases, your code should be running without any problems. We have access to a lot of different data sources. You make suggestions at the start. We, we build this template. I can go and edit the code behind the template and, and build an app, essentially. How do I publish this? How do I make it available? Because at the moment, it sounds like I'm building something on your environment that I perhaps could have built on my own personal environment. So what I'm curious about is how do I publish this? Because it sounds like what you're wanting people to do is to show up and create productized services that they can sell, apps. Can you explain that side of the process to us, please? So every app that you are building uh, has a URL from start. So your app is published from, from the very beginning. What you control as uh, the app builder is uh, whether you give access to users, what users you will uh, give access to your application, but it's uh, deployed from, from the start. So actually, after you click uh, a couple of times uh, in Orbify platform, uh, your application is already available to the external world. Well, if only you give them uh, the access to your application. Okay, so there's some kind of user control in the background here as well. Of course, this is the part uh, about building commercial application that is also important for us. So you as the app builder, you are in a full control who has uh, the access to, to your application. And then you also monitor usage of your application. So you can bill your users, you can take advantage of Stripe integration that we have on our platform in order to charge your users. Because uh, all in all, not always uh, you can build applications for free and let everyone use them for free. Sometimes you need to make money, you want to make money. So that's why we, we find it's important to implement, uh, to, to make it simple also uh, for, for the app builders to control usage, to, to, to build users, to charge uh, their credit cards, etc. Okay, so, so let, let's pretend for a second we're, we're further in a process now. We have built that ship detection application that, that, that we used as an example before. It, it's done, it's finished, and it, it's working perfectly. Can you describe to us, please, what the user experience would be? Because I have this app that's online now. So I send my potential clients or my clients a URL and say, here, I've built this, this productized service. You can use it to detect ships. Can you explain to, to us what, what the user experience might look like? Because I, th I think this will help people understand the full picture of, of what it is that, that you are building. So 
large portion of Orbify team comes from the B2C background, like AirHelp, previous company where, where I worked, was purely B2C, making it easy for passengers to get compensation for delayed canceled flights. So we know how important the user experience is, right? And this is why we invest a lot of attention uh, into making the apps for end users easy to use, uh, accessible. The app that you are building, this vessel detector, could be looking a lot like Google Maps because we are all used to Google Maps interface and there is nothing wrong with building app that looks similar because this way people don't uh, don't need to learn, don't need to think how to use it, just uh, copy their behaviors that, that they have, right? So you will have a Google Map-like interface where you simply select a polygon and say, okay, this is my area of interest and then select dates. Uh, I would like to see whether vessels appear in this area on, on a given uh, date, and that's it. Your analysis is scheduled, and within a couple of minutes, you will get results. But this is just vessel detection, right? If you are trying to monitor air quality in your area, then, then maybe you have a pre-selected area of interest around your, your city, your, your village, and then you simply log into the app, and you are already taken to the view that is showing uh, what uh, is the pollution, uh, what is the I don't know concentration of allergens uh, in 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 your area, and simply you don't need to uh, you don't need to select uh, area of interest uh, every time you log into the application because we already know what you are after. If if you are monitoring health of your forest, the same thing, right? It could be that you simply open the app and it shows you a dashboard because it's not always about showing a map. Sometimes it's about showing a chart, a diagram that tells the story that, that uh, you would like to see. So basically, you as the app builder can control how the app looks for the end user. But all in all, we put a lot of effort to make all those applications be easy to use. When you were showing me this, when you were walking me through how this works, I mean, we, we had the advantage. It was a visual demonstration. You shared your screen and then you walked me through it. And I walked away from that thinking, what well, this is just like a, a Shopify experience. And I mean, even your name sounds similar. So Shopify is this really well-known e-commerce store. Mapscaping started out as an e-commerce store selling things online, selling maps online. And what I saw in the experience that you showed me was that e-commerce experience. Ah, I see this productized service that I, that I want to buy. You know, click add it to the cart. And, and then there was a checkout process. It was amazing. And I think that that's, that's the thing that actually captured my imagination about this. I realized you were talking about dashboards. There's more opportunities here. But what captured my imagination was this e-commerce experience where people like us could build apps and create a business around it, right? Could create these, I know I keep using the, the term productized services and, and sell them. Is that where you see the opportunity? Is, is, is it those kinds of people that you're trying to reach or are you aiming at, at, at bigger organizations? Definitely, Daniel. So when we were talking the previous time, you also used this uh, really nice expression, long tail, right? So yes, we are after long tail. We want to make it easy to build applications for, I don't know, small farmers that uh, own a couple acres of land, maybe several acres of, of, of land, and uh, would like to monitor them that this area from, from space, right? These people will not go to a big component, consulting component, ask to, to, to get an application built, but these people could benefit from, from Earth observation. We want to make it easy to build apps that are used by environmental activists. And again, those people not necessarily are, are super rich, but uh, could benefit from an app that uh, enables them to monitor soil moisture or forest health uh, or... or dark vessels appearing in, in a given area. This analogy to Shopify is, I think, very, very nice. Uh, yes, uh, 
we would like to uh, make it so easy for people to take existing components and build an application using them as it is easy for for people to build a store using uh, shopify uh, you import a list of the t-shirts that you want to sell or, or maps that you want to sell and you can start your business immediately then if you want to tune your business then uh, of course you can uh, make things more sophisticated maybe it's not about basic uh, algorithm for vessel detection maybe you would like to uh, make it easier to i know distinguish shapes uh, classes of vessels etc cetera, etc cetera. but this is something that you can do iteratively and this is another thing that uh, is important for us i believe that uh, it's impossible to make a huge jump and uh, say okay this is finished version of my product now everyone uh, go and use it uh, i believe that in order to to understand what users need you probably need to build things iteratively and learn what problems people are really facing what jobs to be done they are seeing in front of your applications and so you are testing newer and newer versions of your applications just like we are testing newer and newer versions of the platform every week we are adding new things and this is something that allows us to learn what people need in order to solve their problems so shopify is a good analogy okay so, so that, that was really interesting so i've been thinking about this like people like us go out and create the, these kind of standalone businesses you know where we sell our productized services but what you're also saying is that you see a target market and people doing this sort of rapid prototyping oh you you need an app that that does this make one on your platform and then give it to someone and see if it actually works because the, the turnaround time would be so much faster is that what you're saying Of course it's not about prototyping just building a prototype and, and then never using it again it's about making a prototype fully fledged application uh, by a number of iterations that that you spend on it so uh, i'm i'm going to jump a little bit back in the conversation now and i apologize if this is confusing for some listeners but early on we talked about like this you know i have some code that's already working and i can just if it's in python i should just be able to import it into orbify and also use it in there so we live in a um you know a world where we have we all create cloud optimized geotiffs for example or we can drag services in from the internet can i do that here if i have access to some services if i'm already paying for a service or have my own data can i somehow import it into orbify or link out to it and use it in my application yeah recently we started collaborating working with ellipsis drive a super interesting company I'm not sure if all of your listeners are aware of them but uh, Ellipsis Drive is like a Google Drive Dropbox for geospatial data. You can easily import there all types of information be it vector raster data, it could be uh, UAV imagery or it could be borders of of land. So I we understand that we will never have all of geospatial data in the world. We will not be integrated uh, with systems that uh, show in every country who owns which piece of land but this type of information may be relevant for uh, for our builders maybe they want to understand okay who owns this specific piece of uh, land uh, where forest uh, is uh, being illegally logged so for that reason they could use integration with the ellipsis drive import uh, information about uh, land ownership uh, in a specific country in a specific region to orbify and and monitor uh, this as well So yes you you are able to bring your own data. Okay so th- that's great. Th- this leads on to the next question. Is this a a platform that only sells services like this functionality? Could the the functionality that you're selling just be data? So like I I imagine creating an app and putting my data in the background, having a selection tool and saying, "Hey, if you, if you want this data that I have curated or that I have created and I'm constantly updating, 
here's a simple app where you go there, draw a polygon. Based on the size of the polygon, you can download the data that's within that. And of course, that determines the price. Do you kind of understand what I'm saying here? Where we're not selling, where the functionality is retrieving data in an easy to understand way. Yeah, I could imagine such a use case for sure. It's up to you what your application does. So if your application simply serves the data, then it's, it's uh, perfectly okay. Also, one of the features that we are working on right now is data export to Ellipsis Drive or, or simply uh, downloading TIFF PNG from, from the application. So pretty soon it, it will be very easy to, to get data out of the platform uh, via web interface or via API, right? Because uh, we cannot forget that uh, sometimes Earth observation, uh, remote sensing is just one of the elements of a business workflow. And uh, then if you are a larger company, you may not place all of your stuff in Orbify. You may want to simply use uh, data, uh, computation results from Orbify via API and take advantage of uh, remote sensing this way. One thing we haven't touched on, so we've been talking about Earth observation for a while now, and that sounds like that's where the focus is. What about vector data? Can I also import that into the system or use it as part of my perhaps selection process or part of my, my algorithm in my app? Right. So uh, for me, borders of, of land that you could import in, in order to understand uh, we, whose forest is being illegally logged is an example of, of vector data. Am I off here? No, that, that's absolutely right. So points, lines, and polygons. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Daniel, because you know sometimes, uh, again, me being relatively fresh to the field, I may be saying some stupid things. But uh, yeah, so this is possible with Orbify. And uh, this is needed uh, more often than not in order to understand who owns which piece of land or maybe when you want to do some more sophisticated analysis of the vessels uh, that you find in a given area, then you may want to download this to, to CSV and uh, process it further. Export of, of vector data or, or import of vector data is as important as, as, as raster. So when I first saw this, I thought, wow, this is amazing. And again, I... I flash back to having an e-commerce store on, on Shopify. I was excited about it. I'm still excited about it. But I, I can see it's not going to be a smooth road from creating an app to actually getting people to pay for it. So again, I'm, I'm still stuck in my, my e-commerce experience there. I think the cynic might look at this and say, and, and make that analogy to the gold rush, right? Where it was the people selling tools to the miners that made all the profit. They are the ones that got rich. And then a few miners that did really, really well for themselves. What would you say to that cynical person? Well, <laughs> very good question. So Orbify is a SaaS product. It means that people are paying per usage. So at the beginning, it costs you nothing to register with Orbify. At the beginning, uh, it's uh, relatively cheap to, to, to start or very cheap uh, to start uh, using the service. And uh, it becomes more expensive only after you see some traffic, uh, some user traffic going to your application. So uh, we are not earning money as long as people are not using your application. Like you're saying, Gold Rush and people, end users, ordinary people, decision makers are not using these applications, then we are not going to get a fully rich. But I hope that at least we will uh, make it possible to build a couple of interesting applications. And uh, this is what, uh, what is important for us, to make it uh, possible to build important applications, applications that allow us to better understand what is happening uh, in the world around us. Again, I really like this idea. I like the idea that if you are a consultant or a freelancer that have a script running on your computer that you're constantly running that's helping one person, but you need to manually go in and start and stop and you know take that output and, and give it to them. I, I really like the idea of 
thinking about how can, how can I productize this? Can more people take advantage of this? And I, I guess for me, tools like this make that part of the process more, way more achievable. It means that someone like me who has very limited coding experience, I, I could be an app developer. I could be the, a SaaS owner, essentially. I think that the next step in the process, and again, going back to my e-commerce days, is the marketing side of things and, and those business relationships that need to be done. Like having a great app is, is nothing without traffic to it, without customers that, that want to buy this thing. And that very quickly becomes a marketing exercise. Is Orbify going to do things like other platforms might where they feature services and, and help like lift some of that marketing burden for the people that are creating apps on, on their platform or, or help with the discoverability of people that create apps on, on your platform? Yeah, this is, this is something that uh, we have in mind uh, right now. Uh, we are focusing on the core platform itself and uh, making it easy for people to, to build applications. But uh, what you are saying is equally important. When we were talking to our users, when we are talking to our users, customers, one of the problems that they identify is exactly what you said at the beginning, that, uh, yes, I'm a consultant. I know how to get that type of information out of geospatial data. And now instead of building PDFs, custom PDFs for my customers with analysis, I would like to give them a tool so that they can self-serve themselves. They don't bother me, but they just pay me with their credit card and uh, everything is running seamlessly. So this is one problem. Immediately afterwards, immediately after finishing this sentence, many of them mentioned that uh, it would be really good if there were more people that would like to use my services. So what you are saying, this uh, sort of marketplace uh, where people are featuring their apps, people can promote their apps, end users, ordinary people have nice interface to discover relevant apps. Yes, this is something that uh, is uh, on our roadmap, but probably this is like second half of this year and not something that uh, we are jumping into right now because right now we are focusing on the on the platform. There are many tools uh, that uh, focus on the marketplace and this is really cool, but what I'm observing is that without good platform, marketplace is not that powerful. And that makes perfect sense. Just one more question before I, before I let you go. And this is a question about white labeling. So white labeling for me means I take a product and you can't see who made that product and I put my name on it, my branding on it and put it on a custom domain. Is that something that is possible with, with your platform? Not today, but we are working on it. So again, this is like SaaS products. SaaS products usually have many tiers. We envision that there is a tier where you can plug in, connect your custom domain and remove all Orbify branding from your applications. Just like Webflow, another great tool that one can use to build websites in a free version of Webflow. You build a web page and it's working, but it has this Webflow branding. When you see traffic coming to you, then you can say, okay, now is the time to, to, to start paying for, for Webflow to make it looking more professional, right? So now you plug in your credit card to Webflow and then you can remove branding. You can plug in your, your own domain. This is exactly the model that we are copying, that we, we are getting inspired by. You can start for free, but if you want more features, then uh, it starts to cost something. That's fair enough. Like you said, th this is a common model and it's completely understandable. It's somewhere along the line that finding out that either you sell, can sell something or can't sell it, it is great. Either one is great because it means like if you can't sell it, it can be pretty depressing, right? But at the same time, it's like, oh, this is not working. I need to change something. So, so I actually appreciate when people make me pay for things because it forces me to make a decision. It forces me to look at it and say, can I do this? 
do I want to commit to this? And I think that that commitment side of things is really important. At the same time, for us, it's super important to enable people to try for free because this way we can test a lot of ideas. Right now, I'm I'm reading a book by Adam Grant, Originals, uh, recommended to me by a friend. And uh, one of the things that the author says over there is that Originals' great inventors actually don't differ that much from any people when it comes to their average discoveries. What we remember is uh, is their great discoveries, right? We remember Thomas Edison and and the light bulb, but actually he patented a lot of other inventions that uh, never p- picked up. They were, well, you know, some not really interesting things. So it's only that when you are able to test a lot of ideas, you can discover, oh, this is interesting. Let's develop this one further, right? So we, we built a light bulb and it worked for a couple of seconds. Okay, this is interesting. Now we want to start working on it maybe a bit more than uh, we work on an ugly doll because I think Thomas Edison also patented an ugly speaking doll that <laughs> no one wanted to use. Kids were running away screaming. So he decided to focus more on light bulbs uh, instead of uh, speaking dolls, which is really good for, for all of us here. And this is what we want to also enable, right? You can test ideas. Okay, this is interesting. The people are interested in that type of application, that type of data versus, well, I tried it and it doesn't work. So why to spend more time on it? Yeah, and I, I guess that gets back to the idea of lowering the barrier to entry, which is, is kind of a tired saying now. I think we, we throw it around all the time. It's also really fitting. So we're talking about making it easier for people to make apps. And at the same time, we're talking about making it easier for people to test ideas. And then the more ideas we can test, the more likely we are to find the ideas that, that are going to work. At least that's what I, what I hear you say. Yeah, exactly. Jakob, I, I think this is probably a great point to round off the conversation here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for building this for us. I really hope people take advantage of it. And if they do want to take advantage of it, if they want to try it out, where can they go? Can they reach out to you personally? Can they go somewhere in particular to follow along? Where would you like to point them towards? I think that the easiest thing to find is Orbify.com, our website, our landing page. Uh, so please go to Orbify.com and uh, register for, for early access. We are still in beta mode, but we are onboarding more and more users uh, every other week. So yeah, let's meet there. Sounds good. Thanks very much for your time. And uh, I wish you all the luck in the world. Well, thanks, Daniel, for your kind words, but all of the thanks go to a great team that we have in Orbify because it's, it's them doing majority of, of the work. I'm, I'm doing talking, they are doing the hard work. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Jakob, CEO, co-founder of Orbify. And I have to say, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. I'm excited about this in the same way that I was excited about Shopify when we first started out with Mapscaping and wanted to sell maps online because it was an easy way to get started. Yeah, I didn't have to figure out, I didn't have to build my own website. There was a bunch of apps and functionality that I could just plug into this sort of existing box that the Shopify supplied me with. There was a whole bunch of tutorials about it on the web. It was pretty easy to get going actually. And I think when you're starting something new, you need that. You need something that is relatively easy just to, to make something and, and to try it out. I think you need a place where you can make a, a lot of mistakes in a relatively low risk environment and, and just see what works. One thing I will say though, is that with Shopify, it made it really easy to get going. But in some respects, we were kind of just kicking the can down the road. In some, because eventually we ran into the problem of, ah, oh, no one knows we exist. And then it very quickly became a, a marketing question, a marketing problem. How do we get people to our website? So while I'm really excited about the Orbify platform, 
this idea that we can easily create something, a, an app that we can sell, functionality that we can that we can you know send a link to someone and they can buy it right then, right there if they want, they can try it out. I think that's amazing, but th th this is easier said than done. So finding the person to send it to, finding the person that will get their credit card out and say, yes, I, I see what you have made. I would like to buy it. But this is more difficult, I think, than most people realize. And I'm not trying to put you off in any way, but I'm sure that, that Jakob would, would agree that if you build it, they will not come. If you build it, you will need to market it and you will need to go out into the world and say, here, I made this. Will you pay me money for it? So just before you run out and start building things on the Orbify platform, take just a minute to think about who am I going to make this for? Who is going to buy this from me? And if it was me, I would start off by building something for a very specific person. Not something for everyone. I would build something for someone. And just as a side note, if you do decide to try this platform out to, to give Orbify a go, I would really love to hear from you. I'd like to hear about how it went for you, the kinds of things you decide to build on there, and what your experience has been like. Okay, that's it for me. That's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. I'll be back again next week, so we'll talk again soon. Bye.